Welcome to episode 23, Disaster Movies. On this episode, Johnny and Eddie discuss a few of their favorite disaster movies. Johnny finally shares his Kevin Costner story and reads a comment from one of our listeners. Eddie reveals a link that he has to one of the biggest true story disaster movies ever made. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage, take a seat, and put up your feet because we're talking movies. Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn. And I'm Eddie Klieg, and we're talking movies. What do you know, last time we've been kicking around a character, well, an actor who keeps popping up on our shows, and I said last time I was going to tell my Kevin Costner story, since we have given him so much mention over the various episodes. And this is a personal story. As, as I've said before, I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, and during the summer of 2003, Kevin Costner was finishing up his newest movie, which he directed, called Open Range, which was a Western starring Robert Duvall and Annette Bening and Michael Gambon, the English actor who plays a, a cattle baron in this movie. But anyway... A local newspaper proposed an advanced showing of his movie in San Francisco. And they said, to those people who wrote in a letter describing their favorite Western movie, they had the opportunity to win two tickets to the advanced showing, where there would also be an interview of Mr. Costner by the local film critic for the San Francisco paper. So I wrote a letter, and it gave me an opportunity, as, you, as we've, we have this podcast that I've always been interested in movies. So I offered up mine and I described why I liked The Big Country, which is my favorite Western, 1958, directed by William Wyler. And if you've seen it, has a huge cast. It's a magnificent film. Gregory Peck, Charlton Heston, Gene Simmons, Carol Baker, Burl Ives, Chuck Connors, and Charles Bickford. Sea Captain from the East, that's Peck, goes west to to wed the lady he has met on the East Coast while she was traveling. She's the daughter of a wealthy land baron, and he lands in the mid middle of an old feud between Bickford and the down-and-out Hannessy clan led by Burrow Ives. Heston resents Peck, water rights, and gunplayer are involved. It has about every element of a Western, as I described, except for gunslingers and Indians, which appear in my other two favorite movies, Shane and Kevin Costner's own... Dances with Wolves. Guess what? I won the tickets, among other people. I had to mention Costner for obvious reasons. Well, anyway, so the night of the, the performance, we're lined up because there's a, pre a bunch of press people and special guests have been invited, and there's a few people from Hollywood to there, the producers and so on. So we're standing out there with the crowd, and all, those, all of us who are uh, these winners, we're all talking to each other about what was your movie, what was your movie. So anyway, by the time they bring us into the theater, we're put down toward the front. It's a very small theater. This is one of five or six there in the center of town. It's a complex. Anyway, and my wife was with me, and she says, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to sit down toward the front. We don't sit down toward the front in the movies. Well, I said, you know, well, it's just the way it is. I said, by the way, look up there. At the very front, the screen is elevated, and up in front of the seats are two very large, high director chairs. I said, that's where the interview's going to be. Okay, big deal. You know. So they have movie roles. We watch it. It's pretty exciting. It is, if you haven't seen it, it is fairly violent. 
there's a romance with Benning and Costner, which evolves during it, and then there's a climactic gun battle. So it is very violent. Anyway, movie closes. It's pretty good. We're all, yeah, that's very good. The interviewer comes down, takes his place, and everybody's wondering. And then down the aisle comes Mr. Costner. Now, this is 2003, so we're talking to almost 20, what, 15, what are we talking, 15, 16 years ago. He is in very tight jeans, a very well-pressed Western shirt that fits very tightly. I mean, he's in great shape, and my wife says, oh, and we were close enough that you could see his eye, you know, she said, these aren't so bad after all. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. So that's our up and close visit. That's as close as I got. I didn't get you. Maybe we can interview him sometime. As I said last time, there's a shout out. If you want to call in, please do. <laughs> so there you go. That's my Kevin Costner story, and uh, we're on our way. So, I was getting worried there. You're yeah, I know. I know. Well, hey, uh, the question is, where are we going today, Eddie? Well, Johnny, I was thinking. We've been doing all these like sub movies and airplane movies. Let's just throw it all together and do disaster movies. So we're talking disasters. We could go on for days on that, just like every other subject, right? Yeah. yeah. Disasters. Okay. That's cool. Disaster films. They're like scary movies, aren't they? Yeah, but I don't get nightmares from them. Well, so. they know, but they provide a lot of vicarious thrills. And, you know, one of the things is these films, kind of like the monster movies we talked about, or the horror films we talked about, they give you a glimpse of the harrowing and perhaps too real possibility of something that could happen to each of us so we can be a little intimidated. Whether it's a natural disaster like earthquakes, forest fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, or man-made chemical spills, major accidents. We talked about the airlines. Uh, bridge collapses, pile-ups on the freeway. Godzilla. Yep, Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. And the potential reality lurks in the backs of our minds, and even the more modern threat of disease, pandemics, nuclear war can provide additional chills. The thrill, the thing that and we will talk about this, I'm going to talk about related to one of my movies, the emotional impact of these films has been magnified with the great emergence and the perfection, nearly perfection, I, I think, of the CG capabilities of the movie industry. The computer, what is it? You're the computer guy, computer-generated imagery. Yeah, and I would say it is probably to a point now that it's pretty close to impossible to see the difference. Yeah. You if you slowed down maybe the film, you know, and it was going in slow motion, yeah. you might be able to tell a little bit. No, it's though. it's seamless. It, it, there used to be, you know, even 10 years ago, if they had a bunch of ships or something, yeah, you kind of knew that it was made up, but now it is. And the earlier films, which were done man-made and a lot of special effects, and, you know, we talked about the boat in the little bathtub with the rippling water and so on. They could make it look pretty realistic for the time, and people were still in awe, but now... I mean, this is uh, unbelievable. Especially since back in your time, everything had like a string on it, right? Oh, they wire strings. It had, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but back I mean, then. They, there's one film I'm going to talk about that compares to, doesn't even compare to its newer version, newer version or a similar version just because. But, and that film won some awards 
back in the 30s. But wow. we have, I mean, just an aside, Ray Harryhausen, who created, uh, I forget what they got, Dynamatics or whatever, he created these creatures, but he moved them just a millimeter every, you know, film. They take a clip of film, so over a long period of time, the thing moved. I mean, it was painstaking. Yeah, can you, can you imagine how long it took for them to do that? Ah. Uh, that kind of animation? Of course, now, <laughs> look how many, when you read the credits, how many people were involved in creating these movies with this CG stuff. That's Unbelievable. True. Anyway... So where, where, what what did you come up with? What, what are you gonna? What disaster are we gonna start with? Okay. Well, my first is going to be something more recent. Well, a couple of years. Uh, Geostorm, two thousand seventeen, stars one of our uh, one of our favorite actors who's been in a few movies that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. And we saw this together. Another one we yes, saw together. Yes, and, and I believe again, he was playing an American. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, the Irish guy. <laughs> Gerard Butler. Yeah. Also stars Jim Sturgis. I don't remember any of the other guys in that film. And Abby Cornish. But there also are a few big names, like Ed Harris is in it. Oh, yeah, he's the FBI guy or something like that. Richard um, Schiff. I don't know how you pronounce his oh, name. Yep, yep, yep. He's in Air Force One. She played on West Wing, too, I think. It's the same yep, guy playing exactly. on West Wing. Yep. Robert Sheehan, who you might not know, but I recognized him because he's in Netflix, the Umbrella Academy. Oh, so, so Geostorm, it wasn't <laughs> it probably wasn't the best movie. A lot of CG. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of crazy CG. stuff going on. Yeah. Basically, when a catastrophic climate change endangers Earth's very survival, all the world governments unite and create what they call the Dutch Boy Program. A, wall, a worldwide net of st satellites surrounding the Earth that are armed with geoengineering technology designed to starve off the natural disasters. After successfully protecting the planet for three years, something is starting to go wrong. Or someone is making something go wrong. I don't know how you want to say that. Two estranged brothers are tasked with solving the problems malfunction before a worldwide geostorm can engulf the planet. You know, crazy things that it started to do was giving you, like, hurricanes in the Midwest. That kind right. of stuff. Stuff that would never, yep. Stuff you had never seen in different places. And I believe this is the movie where the plane falls out of the sky. Yeah, because the ice, because of the so temperature cold changes. Yeah, yep. It's just all over the place. And it gets pretty hairy. It was. Um, Gerard Butler plays the actual person who came up and designed this whole geostorm. But something happened... Over the years that he got kicked out, left, they're not on good terms. His brother is part of the the president's advisors. I don't know exactly what party plays in that, but he's in the, that ring and circle. And he's tasked with getting his brother to get back up there and try to fix it. So there was a lot of action. There was pretty cool CGI. It just the story, I don't know, it didn't. Do as well as I thought it was going to do. Yeah, it was. There were some things. Even when we watched it, we thought, you know, we we tried. There were some sequences where it was kind of fantastic to even survive certain things. Him, I mean, even. Oh yeah, definitely. It's yeah, it. it uh, little but, unbelievable. I mean, not that it's. 
we were so far into it, we stayed with it. I mean, yeah, come on, well we, our again. job is to watch the movies anyway. <laughs> so, and we liked the guys, so we wanted to see how he how he wiggled out of this one. But so here's here's some inter interesting uh, stats on this. Budget was 120 million. It's pretty big. Well, that's all that computer right. time, I guess. <laughs> Domestically, only 33 million, but grossed worldwide 221.6 million dollars so almost almost double the amount mm -hmm. that it cost so they made money and everybody except here at home really yeah <laughs> obviously it went was to, like went a, to go see it it was like a snore for the most of the people uh, yeah and i guess maybe the uh, and i mean in, in my trivia there's a couple of things that well there's one thing in particular Several cast and crew, even extras, noted that Gerard did not appear to know many of his lines. So if I look back and think, I mean, maybe it just, I'm trying to remember his lines and stuff I, like that. I, I'm not sure I knew that. I, but I, there wasn't a lot of, I didn't think he had a lot of heavy dialogue in there. I mean, you know, but again, you had to learn it. I mean, he might have been between you know, he's done this producing. He might have been working on that Hunter Killer or something and, and been distracted. He might have been running uh, two other movies, The Fallen. That's true. We should it, get him on so we can ask him. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, another thing that might contribute to it, Jerry Bruckheimer was brought in at the very last stage because the studio rejected the original cut of the movie because there was a poor reaction from test audiences. Yeah. $15 million were spent in a two-week span of reshoots, uh, and they had to hurry up pretty quickly to make the deadline for the release. It's always a bad sign of a movie. Definitely. Yeah. And then lastly, I just thought this was kind of weird because you don't think about it, but the word Geostorm is mentioned 20 times throughout the movie, <laughs> including the end title. That's kind of odd to me. But So that's Geostorm. Here's one that I probably would not watch again if it was on TV. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's, I agree, I agree. It's, uh, even good actors, you had some good actors in there and they couldn't really save it. It's, and I, you'd have to look at what else com was competing out there at exactly the same time because I don't know offhand. Um, it also okay. seems like Ed Harris is always in these kind of movies. I don't know. He's going to start popping up all the time now. Well, since I already said, and I've said before, since I lived in the San Francisco area, I think it's pretty obvious that which one I'm going to choose to lead off with here. And it, the reason it's, I mentioned the CG, because there was a movie that I re alluded to in the 1930s, actually 1936, starring two big stars, uh, Spencer Tracy and Clark Gable, called San Francisco. And it's a um, Johnny, before you go any further, yeah. do you want me to get the box of tissues over no, there for no, you? No, I won't cry. going to be okay? Way. Yeah. Every, okay. Every it gets time, emotional yeah, with the I San know, Francisco. It gets emotional thing. when I think about San Francisco. I left my heart there, you know. Anyway, uh, Gable's a, a nightclub saloon owner, and he Tracy's a, a priest, and they're friends, old friends, and so on and so forth. Then they have conflicts, but it's all caught up against the San Francisco 1906 earthquake. And they did some special effects with the thing collapsing on them, the buildings coming down. And it, it's pretty impressive in its time. Well, the film I'm talking about, of course, more recently, is 2015 San Andreas with another one of the guys that we really like because of his screen presence. And, of course, that's Dwayne Johnson. 
Now, there's some other stars in here. Most of them, the one who plays his wife and the one who plays his daughter, who's obviously in distress. This is a classic. The hero, he happens to be an EMS, Emerging Medical Services, flies a helicopter, trying to save his wife from a disaster who's caught in a high-rise when this thing uh, hits. First of all, the CG is so impressive because Paul Giamatti plays the earthquake expert. They're actually checking in the initial part of the film, they're checking out tremors that are being recorded in Nevada near Hoover Dam. Well, they strike, Hoover Dam is damaged. In fact, that is pretty shaking. I've seen, I've been to Hoover Dam. It's so massive. And you see what they're doing on the screen to this thing, and it is so realistic, Eddie. It's really pretty scary. Well, then, of course, he predicts that this is only the start. His tremors are going to lead to something big, and if they have the big one along the San Andreas Fault, it could take out most of California, and it's certainly going to damage San Francisco, where the action ends up taking place. And when you know the city like I know the city, and you see something where the earthquake leads to a tsunami that is taking uh, those big freighters, those carrying all those cargo, and they upend it, and it crashes through the Golden Gate Bridge, that's pretty terrifying. And then this resulting tsunami that sweeps through the bay and floods into places like North Beach and sweeps people away, it is so realistic. Now, you know, you're sitting there, you're saying, nah, this is just a story. But with the earthquake potential, and having been through a couple of them, and if you had something that massive, and a tsunami is not unprecedented on the West Coast, but it's pretty good. Again, like everything else, when he's flying his helicopter and he's grabbing people off of things and he's flying between falling buildings and some, and he's got the he's proverbial cat of nine lives, and uh, especially when they're out there in the tsunami and all these other boats are getting taken out by debris and everything, and he's going through, but it's, he's a hero. I mean, you know what's going to happen from the beginning to the end. The most impressive part of it, other than the fact he's a nice guy and I like him, the CG really is impressive. Yeah, I think he had a four-leaf clover stuck up his bum or something. <laughs> yeah, he, he had he to be. <laughs> I mean, some of these are so outrageous. And, of course, when this started way back, and they really started, there's a lot of the disaster films from the 70s, and we've talked the same with the airline in uh, movies and so in the late 60s. You take the actors, you put them in these dramatic situations, whether it's a fire, whether it's an earthquake, whether it's... Uh, whatever the disaster is, and the will they or won't they? And you know you're going to lose a few people along the way. The question is, who are we going to lose? So anyway, that's San Andreas. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it's exemplifies what they can create. I mean, if you literally, it used to be if you put it on a page, Hollywood could create it. They can do that now. I mean, they really can do it now. The movies I used to watch, I'd be impressed. And like you say, well, the airplane's really being held up by a string or whatever. Now it, it's impressive, especially on a big screen. And when you see these on a big screen, that thing's coming at you or overwhelming you. Mm. Same goes for characters like Incredible Hulk or mm-hmm. you know, the Any of those. Or, or Venom. King we saw Kong and all that Venom, kind of We stuff. saw Venom recently. You know, that it's a special effects yeah. in that, how they create, how he goes back and forth between... And then, the, and then the the overall acting is more uh, natural because instead of the opposing actor 
interacting with a ball on a string or a stick up in the air. It's the actual person who plays, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the other person with the green dots all over their right. face. So, but they're able to get the the um, expressions and all that kind of stuff. So just overall, it's it's amazing. But it does make sense why now movies are 120 million dollars, and there's a 120 million people on the closing well, credits. It's interesting you bring up the ball on the stick because Dennis Quaid made a dragon movie many years ago. I can't even remember the name of it. But one of the comments, because he had to do that because they hadn't put the dragon on the screen. He, had to, he said, look, I got more out of the ball on the stick than I've gotten from some actors that I've played with. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so what's that tell you? You know, the eye contact is really important. <laughs> That's funny. All righty. What's next? I'm going with Gravity, 2013. Now, some may say, well, that's not a like a disaster on Earth. Eh, close enough. It's above Earth. And, it doesn't matter where the disaster it's happens. Pretty, right? uh, if you're in the middle of it, it's serious. I mean, it's a good movie. I didn't see that movie in the theaters. Neither did I. I saw it on DVD. Yeah, I saw it on DVD as well. But I still had the same effect with it. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Alfonso Curran, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stars Sandra Bullock, George Clooney, Ed Harris again. It received 240 wins out of 417 nominations in the entire awards season, all the different kinds of awards. Specifically on the Oscars, it won seven Best Director, Film Editing, Best score, sound editing, sound mixing, visual effects. And the nominations that did not win, Best Visual Effects, Picture of the Year, Actress in a Leading Role, and a Production Design. So it, it did win quite a bit of nominations oh, yeah. and no. stuff there. The thing, the thing that I remember they were talking about is the way they floated weightless and how they recreated that. Because I don't think they went up and did it in the, the airplane like they've done in some movies. But how they created it looks so realistic. I, they got great kudos for that, I remember. Yeah, in one way, they had a special camera because the actors couldn't just sit there upside down, floating in the air, upside mm, down. Right. You know? So the camera was created uh, to be able to give that look. But it's it's pretty cool. So the, the gist of the story, um, Sandra Bullock's character is on her first mission to outer space aboard a NASA space shuttle, the Explorer. She's a novice biomedical engineer, and she goes up with a seasoned astronaut who is getting getting a chance to do his last operation up in space before he retires, mm-hmm. who's played by George Clooney. They come face-to-face with a disaster that they can never mention. Unexpectedly, during a routine spacewalk, dangerous space debris from a crippled Russian satellite inflicted devastating damage to the shuttle and the whole, yeah, all I don't know if the whole space station, but I mean, it just, it destroyed everything. She's out floating in space. He rescues her for, for a certain amount of time. Uh, and then they have to abandon where they're at and try to float over to, I think it was a Chinese yeah, uh, I, space I, station, a little teeny tiny thing. But anyways, the whole story follows Dr. Ryan Stone, who is Sandra Bullock, and her and, and George Clooney's attempt to get home. It's crazy. It's actually scary, but it's cool. I liked it. And what we were talking about technology-wise, the, the director of the movie actually developed this idea a handful of years earlier. 
but had to wait for the technology to catch up. And once uh, James Cameron did Avatar, the technology was there that he right. was able to go forward and start planning planning the movie. So uh, that was pretty interesting. I do have the dollars here. $100 million to make it. Domestic was $274 million. Grossed $723 million. Did pretty well. And Bullock again, she's doing well. I forgot to mention, since I try not to steal your thunder on this, but this shows that Dwayne Johnson, either they like the CG or they like Dwayne because they made that movie for 110, uh, San Andreas was made for $110 million. Really? It took in $474 million. Wow. So That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> you think why he's putting... You know, butts in seats, just like and reject. Like, I mean, we and he's been a busy guy with skyscraper, this kind of film, and then of course the Hobbs and Shaw thing, and so he's he's up there. He's got to be making some. He's got an HBO or Showtime drama series too that he's involved with. A couple other things I thought was interesting. Eighty percent of this movie was CG. Only 60% of Avatar was CG. Wow. That Avatar was, all over was the place, CG yeah. everything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For the George Clooney part, Robert Downey Jr. was actually signed on to play that part. He left the project. They asked Daniel Craig, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Harrison Ford. I thought it would be cool. Denzel Washington. And unfortunately, there's another one on this list that... Uh, I actually didn't think was going to come up, but did. Oh, my gosh. Kevin Costner. <laughs> <Not> again. <laughs> oh, folks, <Yeah>. this was <laughs> unplanned. This one came out of the blue on this one. <laughs> uh, but, of course, George Clooney ended up um, yeah. getting that part, and he, he was great. Yeah. Uh, and then real quick on the other one, Sandra Bullock. Angelina Jolie was originally casted. She dropped out. Natalie Portman turned it down. Mm. Uh, Rachel Wise. Wise. Yep. That would have been interesting because they also asked Daniel Craig. Aren't they Who's married? Her husband. They're married. That's right? Her husband. Yep. That'd mm-hmm. been weird. Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Abby Cornish, who was actually yeah. in Geostorm. Sienna mm-hmm. uh, uh, Miller, Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Blake Lively. But you know, Sandra Bullock is normally known for more comedic. A little bit, yeah, right? Had, you but, say? She's, she's but lately, I mean, with this right. and with Blindside, she's uh, starting to expand her yeah. horizon. Yeah, she's pretty good. There was a, she was an early investigator in a murder movie, a movie that takes place in Northern California about a teenage teenager who murdered somebody, and she's pretty tough in that. And it's early in her career, and I can't tell you the name of it. It's not a bad little film, uh, but she's a kind of tough detective. Yeah, she solves the thing. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you mentioned George Clooney. Uh, he's popping up in my next movie. And the next two, I, my two last two, are actually based on real-life disasters. And this you could argue about, Gee, is this really a disaster? Well, I'm talking about The Perfect Storm takes place, or it was made in, excuse me, in 2000. Stars George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, Diane Lane, and John C. Wiley. Now, this is based on a true story, as told by the best-selling book uh, written by journalist Sebastian Unger. I read the book before I saw the movie. 
It's a terrific book. It, the movie does a great job of, of telling it. And the film tells of the, basically the courageous men and women who risk their lives every working day pitting their fishing boats and rescue vessels against the capricious forces of nature. Now, there's one captain. That's Bill Tyne. That's George Clooney. He's plagued with debt, seeking a major catch of the season, ventures further out to sea while an impending storm of the century is brewing. The crew's worst fears are realized at sea on, the hollow, on Halloween of 1991 when they're confronted by three raging weather fronts which unexpectedly collide to produce the greatest, fiercest storm in modern history, hence the perfect storm. And it details, first, they're, no, they're, no, they're concerned they have no fish in the early going. Their glee once the choice is made to sail farther out, they start to haul in what could be some type of record catch, only to turn to desperation as they battle the monstrous storm for survival. Now, there's a side story that's showing the, the courage and, and what the Coast Guard go through trying to rescue people in distress because Bob Gunton, that's the guy who was the, the bad warden in Shawshank, he and uh, Sherry Jones and Karen Allen, they're on a pleasure sailing, and they get caught in a storm. So that's a side story to this, showing you what the Coast Guard could do. Uh, and the peril of the other guys, they're so far out at sea that rescue is virtually impossible. But it's a terrific movie. It was done very well, directed by, here's a guy we've talked about a few other movies, Wolfgang Peterson. He was in our submarine, and he did Troy and some others. Anyway, the story was by Sebastian Unger, and he has written several other books because he is a world-ranging journalist, and he finds these stories of interest. But George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg anchor the, the storyline while the people at, on the shore, the women, basically, Worry about the men that are out there trying to catch and survive. Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio is a captain of another ship, and she's pretty close with Clooney in terms of work relationship. They have no romantic relationship, but they, they're, they're buds. It's a good film. If you haven't seen it, again, the filming of the how hard and dangerous it is trying to catch these, these fish, it's, uh, it's well worth a look. That's a perfect storm, year 2000. That was a good movie. So my next and final movie is probably one of the most famous disasters in history. Let's see. I got to remember what you're going to see. The the thing that's supposed to be unsinkable. Oh yes. Well, this this is yeah, very definitely. 1997, James Cameron's Titanic. Which I remember going to the theater several times to see. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, it was well waited. I mean, crazy. I mean, the lines were out there. I mean, everybody wanted to see this baby, and it was definitely a blockbuster. The story, I mean, this is a classic example of knowing. You know how it ends. You know almost. We don't know a lot of details, but you know the general story. You're going to a movie that that a hundred years ago. The, it wasn't quite 100 years when they made the film in 97. But as we look back, and it still holds you in awe because that ties in, just like this perfect storm, but that especially because this wasn't a made-up disaster. And anybody who's ever sailed a ship, you've been on cru the cruises. Yep. What it, what, how terrifying it would be to be out there all alone in the dark because it happened in the middle of the night. Uh, right. Can they get here in time? 
Can anybody get here? Is there anybody out there? And that's chilling. It comes through there. Of course, they have this other side story with the fiance. They have to build something in there. But right. you can't get away from the basic disaster. So, yeah, it is the greatest one. Of the, it's, it's the greatest. At the time, at least, it seemed like it was one of the longest movies. Not, not that it felt long being in there, no. but it was, I think it was it a three-hour movie. It was, where now, most of the superhero, like the, all the um, Avengers yeah, movies your last are almost. Was. Oh, yeah, Avengers Endgame was almost three hours. Yeah. But it was, it was good, though. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's the difference. The time is irrelevant if the story. I mean, you can see you've been in movies. The best thing about a movie is when you get in there and you, oh my God, we've been here for two and a half hours. Right. Exactly. Wow. There's only a few that that happens with, but when it does, that's the magic of the movie. Really, you they got you. So the Titanic stars, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, Billy Zane. A couple of the other big names, the unsinkable Molly Brown, played mm-hmm. by Kathy Bates, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Mm-hmm. Frances Fisher, the mother of Kate Winslet's character. Bernard Hill, who's the captain. Mm-hmm. Victor Garble, is that his last? Garber. Garber. Yeah, he plays the art. He know. plays Thomas Andrews, who's the architect of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the late, great Bill Paxton. Yep. Could you believe it? 2017 he died. It's yeah, already no. been... Over two, two years. years. Crazy. And Gloria Stewart, who plays the old version of Rose, who died two months after her 100th birthday. Yeah. Love this movie. I don't know if I even want to read a description. If, if, if you haven't seen the movie, you need to go see it. Um, my, well, now she's 15, but I think she was 14 when we saw it. She was enamored by the Titanic. There was a, a documentary Mm-hmm. A documentary, I should say, that had Bill Paxton and James Cameron were with real life divers because now you know they know where the Titanic is, all that kind of stuff. And there's a big argument on do we raise it up, do we leave it there, all that kind of stuff. But they were going down in these state of the art subs and looking at stuff, and yeah. so that from that I led her to actually watching the movie, and and she she loved it. It um, there is a love story. You've got Jack, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Right before the boat takes off, he wins a poker game and mm-hmm. wins a ride on the boat, third class. Kate Winslet's character, whose fiancé is Billy Zane, who plays a really good bad guy. She's kind of being forced to marry him for his money, basically. Mm-hmm. There's that kind of dynamic. And then you got the third class guy, played by Leonardo, that they actually start Spending time together, and you just got to see it. It 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 is amazing. The whole re- way it ties it into the very beginning, where it's actually hitting on diving and finding the the Titanic. Right. How it how it ties it through, and then buttons it all up at the very end. It's it's pretty cool. It it was, and it, and the way they filmed it, they, I saw the documentary how they filmed it when they put that. They built a ship or part of it down in Mexico, and they actually flood because they had to flood the thing. Right. They only had one shot of doing that, and then the dipping off the, jumping off the, you know, the way it sank, and how they dealt with the different theories of what happened to it, did it break up, and something. it was, no, it's a, it's a classic piece of, of movie uh, history. I don't know if you saw the traveling Titanic show where you could go and see the artifacts that they'd recovered, because. If you get a chance to do it, one of the things they do is give you a card, tells you what passenger you are, and you go through the whole display. And then when you get at the end, you'll see the list of survivors, 
and the list of people who didn't make it. So you find out, am I a survivor or am I somebody who didn't make it? It's pretty, it's, it's pretty the, cool. The graphics on the yeah. big walls and yeah. stuff. Yeah. In a previous life, I worked for the company oh, who printed wow. some of that. Woo. Actually, I might have actually been the salesman who worked directly on part of that project. So you're linked to the Titanic. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> a couple of trivia. Oh, let me go. Yeah. I got to do the money thing first. Yeah, I was going to say this had to be a, this was a blockbuster. $200 million to make it. Yeah, yeah. Domestic, $659 million. Gross, $2.2 billion with a B. It's a compelling story internationally. Everybody knows about the Titanic somewhere, somehow. So here's some here's some fun facts. Uh, like you were saying, the there's a scene when it's sinking where water crashes into the grand staircase. They had one shot to do it because all of the furnishing and all that kind mm. of stuff that was in there mm. was going to be destroyed. One shot. This one's a little comical. Due to the long theatrical run of the movie, because people kept going back and back and back, Paramount had to send out replacement reels, because it was on film, to theaters because the film was literally warning, yeah. warning <laughs> off. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty good problem to have. Also, reportedly, James Cameron spoke to and personally provided each of the extras, approximately 150 of them at least, names and backstories of the Titanic passengers. So they, they knew exactly who they were playing in character. At $200 million... The movie cost more than the Titanic itself. <laughs> the cost to construct the ship in 1910 through 1912 mm -hmm. was 1.5 million pounds, probably. Pounds, yeah, yeah. Which is well, yeah. equivalent to 7.5 million at the time. And in, in 1997, 150 million to build the Titanic. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. And then finally, the post sinking scene. It was shot in a 350,000-gallon tank yeah, where a frozen corpse, because, of course, at the end, it's not, right. that's not very much of a spoiler. It right, sinks. Right. Uh, no, I say you know the ending. The frozen corpse um, were created by applying a powder to the actors that then crystallized when exposed to water. Wax was applied to hair and clothes mm -hmm. to create a wet look. Oh, wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, so, it's... That is uh, movie magic. the Titanic, and you know what? I'll, I think maybe tonight I'm going to go home and watch this movie. <laughs> Tell you the truth. <laughs> well, my, my last one here is, again, another true story, true event, and it stars Mark Wahlberg. He, he along with Kurt Russell, the two linchpins, as I would say, along with John Malkovich, are, who plays kind of a bad guy. I mean, you know, usually that's his, his role. Anyway, the film is Deepwater Horizon. 2016, it's based on the actual event that occurred on April 20th, 2010. Deepwater Horizon is a drilling rig in the Gulf of Mexico that explodes while they're doing a test because there were some shortcuts taken. They pushed it along and it, the thing failed, so the well itself exploded, killing many of the drill, drilling team that are surrounding that uh, part of the, the uh, rig at the time. Wahlberg is a real guy, Mike Williams. He's an electronic technician, and then he and the rest of the survivors end up fighting heat and flames to survive, and they band together in order to, to make it out of the chaos. 
The whole thing, of course, is predicated there's a contentious relationship before the disaster between the workers and the officials from the, the company. Basically, the, the rig is owned. It's, it's handled through a, a secondary company, but it's BP Oil. So there's some contentious there. You've got the workers and the management going on. The, the irony of the thing is the disaster strikes on the very day that BP officials are there to award Kurt Russell's character with an award for safe, accident-free operations. And all heck breaks loose. In fact, when the, the thing really blows, Russell is in the shower and he's actually blinded temporarily blinded by the debris and so on that happens, and he, he's helped around, uh, and he's pretty dramatically damaged. And he's got this big handlebar mustache in there. It's easy. And I love Kurt Russell, and he, he's perfect for this role. It is a terrific story. It ends up there are actually two people, one of which is the Malkovich character from the company and another gentleman who actually were responsible for making decisions about short shorthanding this test, they actually were the only people prosecuted for their actions. They were both charged with 11 cases of manslaughter. What I don't have is what what happened to them here. I don't have the details on whether they were convicted. Pictures appear of the 11 men who were lost, who were killed during the event. And in the postscript, the blowout, which they call this, of course, lasted for 87 days after they got the fire quelled. It's still spewing oil. An estimated 210 million gallons of oil went into the Gulf of Mexico, and it was the worst oil disaster in U.S. history. So another little sideline here. Uh, Mike Williams, that's Wahlberg's character. His wife is played by Kate Hudson, who, of course, is the daughter of Golden Kurt, Hawn, right. who is... Kurt Russell. I'm not sure if is they're she a step? Is that a stepdaughter? I think, I think she's... Yeah, she is the stepdaughter. Because she carries the Hudson name. He got nominated for a couple of Academy Awards, Best Achievement in Sound uh, Editing and Visual Effects. The explosion and the uh, fire is pretty dramatic. So there you go. That is a, that is a good little film to uh, watch. It's, uh, again, 2016, Deepwater Horizon. And that's it, Eddie. That's what I got. So there's, there's three of them. Uh, if you want to see, since we're talking about Wahlberg, just to throw out another one, uh, his f film on the marathon bombing in Boston is pretty good, too. I don't remember the exact name off the top of my head, but it's it, and it recreates all the actual events, and it plays real. There was a composite. I think he's a p composite character in the police department. Sets the whole tone. But anyway, that's he, good. He's another one, I mean, like Sandra Bullock we were talking about, who's, you know... Um, He's in a lot of comedy, a lot of action stuff, but also now not afraid to pick up something serious. And he, he and produced do it. this too. He produced this, yeah. and I think he had a hand in the Boston film too, if I'm correct. Probably because he's from there. He's, that's yep, the, that's his home yeah. hometown. That's oh, where that's the Wahlburgers right. started. Yeah, they got the the main. Yep. So anyway, that's it. Eddie, what's the clock on the wall telling us? Well, Johnny, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Sometimes uh. it's that time again. As always, thank you to our listeners and subscribers to our show. If you like our show, please leave a review through whatever platform you're using to listen to the show, or you can just go to our website, we'retalkingmovies.com. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio. New episodes drop every Monday. We have one more show left in season one of We're Talking Movies. 
We hope you've enjoyed them. We would love it if you would leave a comment to let us know what you think of Season 1. We will read your comment on air over the next show. You can send your comments, again, through our website, DM us on Instagram, or tweet us at We Talkin' Movies. Also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash We're Talking Movies. We would love it if you would like our page. So season one is coming to an end next week. Season two will be premiering on the first Monday in December. So season two is going to be all about actors, right? Mm -hmm. And actresses, actresses, right? And every week... We'll, we'll highlight a different actor. These are going to be these are going to be many of them are going to be big players. I mean, there's some that have been just stellar performers. I mean, so many movies, so many awards, so many, and we got to give a shout out to that. I mean, we've touched on some of them. We're going to concentrate. So there's a lot of a lot of material, let's say, in that in that realm. So, and we actually would like you to help us out. What we'd like to do, and we'll have more information on it as we go forward, but at certain times, and you can even start now if you want, send us an email. Let us know a actor, actress that you want us to feature. You know, Let us know why. Is it one of your favorites? Tell us a little bit about it. And logistically, I think we can do it. We would like to, even if we pick your actor or actress, Maybe have you on the show for at least a few minutes, just get a little feedback from you and yeah. you know, give you some questions about your favorite movies. Your favorite movies, your favorite actors, that sort of thing. So we're gonna try to sprinkle that throughout the season. We'll have more, like I said, more information as we get closer to that. So again, next week is the last of this season. And then you'll see some advertising out there, some I'll have a couple trailers out there before we start <laughs> on the first Monday in December. So that's it for me, Johnny. Well, before I close, you know, you're always asking or encouraging, and you just did there. We'd like to hear from you. Well, we did hear from somebody this week. We did. Yes, we did. This is Michael in Texas, and he had a couple suggestions. I'm not sure we're going to be able to work them in second season, but we'll, we'll take, take a look. It says, great job on the first season. Your episodes are very entertaining. I listen to them while traveling on business. The various movies and actors you mentioned bring back memories. Makes me want to rewatch those films you mentioned. And that's what we encourage. We love to hear that kind of thing. A few suggestions for future episodes. National Lampoon series. Bruce Willis or the Die Hard movie reviews. Well, we like those three, four, and five sequences like we did with The Fallen. That's a possibility. Yeah, it, That's a definite just yeah. when we do it exactly, but... The- We've and, talked about that. And this one is probably falls in the comedy realm, the Police Academy series. There were a few of those way back. Yeah, and those were funny. Yeah, there were some good. Or Saturday Night Live movie spinoffs, because there have been some people that have gone on. There's several actors gone off on. Well, you think about. Uh, just think of Chevy Chase alone. <laughs> Dana Carvey, Adam Sandler. Who's the a uh, couple of the guys that passed away? What's his name? Uh, well, John Belushi, of course. John, John Belushi. Um, and you don't forget Bill Murray. He's done series and comedy, and he's been in a lot of movies of genres. And but anyway, that's a, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good suggestion. And uh, so also have Eddie Murphy. <laughs> so we 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 thank you, Michael in Texas, and we encourage others of you. Please send us comments. Love to hear from you. Well, looks like that's all for today, folks. And until next time. Keep your eyes on the silver screen, and as we fade to black, 
This is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klieg saying so long till we're talking again. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Please clear the set.